I'm David Riches. We're going to be doing our first segment is Albeth 5 through 7. And uh, as we get started here, I'll remind you that uh, Alma the Younger has now be, become the president of the church. He was uh, given this high and holy calling by King Mosiah, who turned it over to Alma. Alma initially was also the chief judge after King Mosiah uh, gave that responsibility to him also. So we now have Alma, who is going to be preaching. He has determined as president of the church, or the chief high priest over the church, he has determined that his people are becoming more and more wicked. He's got to do more to help correct that. So he has turned the office of chief judge, which would kind of be the equivalent of the president of the country. He's turned that over to a man named Nephiha. So now Alma is the president of the church, but no longer president of the nation. You'll see that come into play when he gets over to Ammonihah, which will be a couple of podcasts away, I suspect. Alma has now come to the land of Zarahemla, in the city of Zarahemla, to preach to members of the church and any non-members who will listen to him. This, in my opinion, would be basically the equivalent of a huge state conference meeting. As he <clears throat> begins... He, he is going to ask several very, very important questions that would be very helpful to you and me in basically determining if we are successfully being born again. In other words, are we on our way, on the covenant path, successfully moving towards eventual exaltation? Uh, when I was going over Alma chapter 5 uh, this morning again, I counted up over 25 questions where Alma is asking us, and he's asking the people in Zarahemla, if they are successfully being born again. So we're going to go right into Alma chapter 5, if you want to follow along. And we're going to start asking these questions as to whether or not we are successfully being born again. Uh, beginning <clears throat> with uh, chapter 5 of Alma, verse 6, he asks us three times if we remember past blessings remember basically past testimony building experiences. Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? Or have you retained in remembrance? Have you sufficiently retained in remembrance? And at the end of verse 6, 
have ye sufficiently retained in remembrance? So one of the first questions to find out if we're doing okay on working towards exaltation is do we remember and still respect and believe past testimony building experiences that we personally have had? There are all kinds of them, including answers to prayer, including impressions and inspiration while we were reading the scriptures, healings, all of these things. Then he's going to ask us another question in verse 7. He asks, their souls were illuminated by the light of the everlasting word. Do you feel a warm feeling when you study the gospel? Is your soul illuminated by the light of the everlasting word? We'll go next to verse 9 in Alma chapter 5, where near the end of the verse, he mentions that their souls did expand. Uh, Have you, when you feel the Spirit of the Lord, have you, as a member of the church, experienced several experiences, hopefully, or at least one, where your soul just expanded and you said, that's so wonderful. Perhaps it was when you heard the living prophet speak or one of the conference talks or had a specially nice sacrament meeting, testimony meeting. Your soul needs to be expanding when you think about and hear about and study the gospel. If it does, then you're on your way on the covenant path. Now, in verse 11, he mentions another thing. He says, uh, Behold, I can tell you, did not my father Alma believe in the words which were delivered by the mouth of Abinadi? So the question here is, do you believe the gospel? Do you believe the words of the scripture? Do you believe the words of the living prophets? Another one is in verse 12. Has there... A mighty change been wrought in your heart. Are you a different person? Are you not a worldly person? Are you trying to be spiritually? Do you have a sincere desire to be spiritually a believer in Jesus Christ and a follower of Christ? Now, verse 13, do you put your trust in the true and living God? And are you trying to be faithful clear to the end of your life? That's another good question. Now, verse 14 has one that many people are quite familiar with. It is, have ye spiritually been born of God? Have ye received his image in your countenances? And again, have ye experienced this mighty change in your heart? Maybe you've heard or even thought yourself that some of the members of the church they really glow. You can just tell who they are. You could stand on a street in a busy city where there are a lot of members of the church and kind of just look and see their countenance, the ones that are faithfully striving to live the gospel, in my opinion, kind of glow. Have you received his image in your countenance? Can you tell that you're a member of the church just by looking at you? Have you spiritually been born of God? All of those things in verse 14. Now verse 15 has another one. Uh, Do you exercise faith in the redemption of 
Christ. Uh, another kind of interesting one here, still in verse 15. Uh, do you look forward with an eye of faith to being raised in immortality and standing before God to be judged? Now, that's a tough one because most of us would tend to be pretty humble and say, mm, I'm not sure I look forward to Judgment Day. But if you are, this is a serious question. And if in reality, and if you're being honest about it, you do look forward to standing for Christ on Judgment Day, then you can say, yes, you are successfully being born again. Now, verse 16 uh, can you imagine the voice of the Lord saying unto you, come unto me? That's kind of an extension of the last one we mentioned. Now verse 19, another one of these questions to see how you are doing. Uh, can you look up <clears throat> to God at that day on Judgment Day with a pure heart and clean hands? Do you have pure heart and clean hands? One of the marvelous helps for us on that is that with the help of Christ and his atonement daily, we actually can uh, have a pure heart and clean hands. You rem remember how President Nelson has re invited us to constantly be repenting every day. If we are doing that <clears throat> successfully, we do have a pure heart and clean hands or we're well on our way. To getting there, and so we can answer yes to that question. We'll move along here. Uh, verse 21, it talks about our garments are washed white. Our garments, and that represents not just clothing, but symbolically, that represents our lives. Are you, is your life washed white? In other words, are you purified by the atonement of Christ until you are cleansed from all stain? If we keep trying honestly, we will reach the point where the Savior will take upon him all of our sins and we will stand clean and pure and confident and indeed quite happy to be there on the Day of Judgment. Now we'll move down to 26. Uh, again, the question is asked, have ye experienced the change of heart? And have you felt to sing the song of redeeming love? In other words, do you trust the atonement? Have you felt it in your life? Do you trust that it'll actually do the job for you? And the answer, if you're honestly striving for it, the answer is yes. And then the key question in verse 26, can ye feel so now? In other words, is your conversion ongoing? Now in verse 27, have ye walked keeping yourselves blameless before God? In other words, if you're really on the covenant path, and the answer to these questions is basically yes or getting real close to there, are you keeping yourselves blameless before God? That's verse 27. Are you sufficiently humble? That's also in verse 27. Verse 28 is very specific. Are you stripped of pride? That's a key issue throughout the scriptures. 
And also in verse 29, it talks about these people, many of them are not stripped of envy. So the question for you and me is, are you stripped of envy? Can you appreciate other people's success and happiness and not be envious or jealous of them? Are you happy for other people's successes, especially in the gospel? Now, verse 30, another thing to avoid if you're being born again is you do not make a mock of your brothers. You don't persecute others. That's pretty easy to answer. That's either yes or no. Then uh, <clears throat> verse 34, it reminds us to keep coming unto Christ. And that would be your earnest desire. If the answer is yes, you're on your way. Clear over to verse 41. Uh, are you bringing good works? Are you not just believing in the gospel, but are you actually doing good works? Now, one more before we move on to the next chapter here. Uh, well, two more. Let's go to verse 54. And another question you can ask yourself to find out how you're doing is, are you not supposing that you're better than other people? In other words, you humble and you don't think you're better. Now that we could talk for a long time on, but if you honestly believe in the value of other people and you don't uh, think you are better than others, that would be a form of pride also. Then you're on your way. And finally in verse 57, it says, Be ye separate, and touch not their unclean things. Are you avoiding wickedness? Are you avoiding delighting in seeing other people's wickedness? Are you staying clear away from things that are in opposition to the true gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, that's quite a quiz, isn't it? Quite a assembly of questions to let us know, and I suspect that most of you are doing very, very well. If there are some areas where you or I need to improve, this is a wonderful way to find out what those areas might be, according to Alma the prophet. Now we'll move quickly to chapter 6 and just note that after he left the city of Zarahemla, in preparation for leaving the people of Zarahemla, in verse 1, he organized and set in order the church. He ordained priests and elders, in other words, a priesthood organization to watch over all the people. And uh, verse 2, there were many people who were baptized. It's also interesting here that as part of setting a church in order, verse 3, was to remove names from the records of the church. In a way, that's excommunication for those who did not want to strengthen their activity in the church and be a part of the church. So he actually cleansed the church to some degree in chapter 6, verse 3 where last of the verse, their names were blotted out and they were not numbered among those of the righteous. These were people who did not repent of their wickedness upon the invitation. That's pretty drastic, but that's what they did. 
So that takes care of Zarahemla. Uh, and now we're going to quickly go into chapter 7 and look at some really important matters in chapter 7. Right off the bat, we're told that the people in chapter 7 in this land, also part of the overall land that King Mosiah was, had been king over and that Alma had been the president of, but now he's the president of the church and not the president of the nation. These people are quite a bit more righteous on average than the people in Zarahemla were. Consequently, he, in this land of Gideon, is going to mainly preach pure gospel and encouragement rather than talking to many people and inviting them to repent from serious wickedness. Uh, there's an interesting, a very beautiful part of chapter 7 that I'd like to discuss with you for a few minutes. Uh, in verse 9, uh, it talks about, Behold, the Spirit hath said this much unto me, saying, Cry unto this people, this people in the land of Gideon, Repent ye, and prepare the way of the Lord, and walk in his paths, which are straight. In other words, the way to God is a straight and narrow path. And uh, as we go to verse 10, we see that it has already been revealed that Christ will be born to Mary at Jerusalem, in other words, in the Bethlehem, which is in the Jerusalem area. Now, verses 11 and 12, I absolutely love them because these give me hope as far as the atonement of Christ is concerned. And we'll quickly read them. And he shall, talking about Christ, he shall go forth suffering pains and afflictions, temptations of every kind, and this that the word might be fulfilled, which saith, he will take upon himself the pains and the sicknesses of his people, verse 12, and he will take upon him death, that he may loose the bands of death. In other words, everyone will be resurrected, righteous or wicked. And he will take upon him their infirmities. And I love that. Elder Neil A. Maxwell tells us, told us in a conference talk, that he even used the word stupidity. He says the atonement of Christ works for the stupid things that we do. I love that because that's language I can understand. Now we'll finish verse 12. He will take upon him their infirmities that his bowels, meaning his deepest feelings, may be filled with mercy according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. Succor means to hurry to the aid of someone that needs your help. So I love these two verses because it reminds me that the atonement works for my imperfections, not only my sins, and also for my sicknesses. There's nothing I go through or you go through that the Lord 
our Savior does not understand because he's been through it all. Now, a little technical thing here in verse 19, if you're following along in your own scriptures, go to Alma chapter 7, verse 19, and he says, I perceive that ye are in the paths of righteousness. In other words, you folks here in Gideon, the land of Gideon, are doing very well. I perceive that ye are in the path which leads to the kingdom of God. Yea, I perceive that ye are making his path straight. Now, how do you make his path straight? Well, the answer is you when you are on the covenant path in your own life, you are staying in the straight and narrow path. You're staying on that straight and narrow way. So you make his path straight by following his gospel, meaning you take his paths that he has talked to you about and put them in your behaviors and in your life and in your thinking. One last thing here now. At the near the end of verse 20, it says his course, right at the end in fact, his course is one eternal round. And you wonder, what does one eternal round mean? Well, among other things, it means that he always uses the same gospel to save people and prepare them and invite them to enter celestial glory. One eternal round means he always uses the doctrines and principles of faith, repentance, baptism, gift of the Holy Ghost, and continuing to live the gospel to the end of your life, repenting as needed to stay on the covenant path. There's a lot more we could say about these wonderful chapters, but we will stop for here. For more Come Follow Me teaching material, visit cedarfort.com. Use code RIDGES25 for 25% off your entire order.